Now Care Talks, a Wheel of Time Theory podcast. I am Rob, your host, and today we're getting back to this. This is my spoiler three section. Um, I, I do 99% of my podcasts are very much spoilery, and then I have a few episodes now and again that pop in with my friend Null, and we do a first time reader segment. So uh, it's been a while, but welcome back, Null. How are we doing, mate? Uh, Null is doing good. Null is doing good. Null is talking (laughs) in third person. Okay. (laughs) How you been, mate? What have you been up to? Uh, Well, lockdown. The the world ended and then uh, restarted semi. Uh, (laughs) And then then, then back at work, really, and that's pretty much it. And then lots of weird health problems. Weird house problems? Health. Health. Not house. Oh, I thought you said... Okay, yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, Null and I seem to have, his is far worse than mine, uh, but we seem to have developed uh, the inability to sustain walking at certain points. Um, yeah, working too Who much. Who needs legs? Who needs legs? I don't know. I don't need legs, apparently. None of us need legs. It's like we don't need sleep. Yeah, overrated. <laughs> but yeah, it's been, uh, it's not been as long as last time. It's only been a few months. <laughs> last time was March. <laughs> and... Um, well, we, we would have recorded in February, so the last last time anyone heard from you was the 1st of March. It's now just the beginning of June, so yeah, it's only, only three months. That's not too bad. What was it? Last time was five, was it? No, it can't be that long. I think it, it was a long time. It was a long time. It was indeed. Yeah, but I, I, I've, I've progressed quite a lot, which is good. This is good. So, you know. Yeah, you were reading during lockdown, and now that you're back at work, and uh, although you're off for these two weeks, lucky you. Um, now, but now you're back at work, you're back on the tram and reading, and you, you've come back, and we've got four chapters, which is crazy. Basically, you've almost finished the last chapter. You got two pages off. You said, was it? Yeah, yeah, two. But it's like just it's, it's, it's about two pages. I think one of the pages is a half a page or something like that. Yeah. Pretty close to finishing it. Well, we won't try and do um, all four chapters today. We're going to start on chapter 15, and we're just going to see how we go, aren't we, mate? And uh, yeah. we'll take it from there. So... Um, I I will point out that already reading the second sentence of chapter 15, it makes no sense because rather than the word unaware, I've put aware. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to continue on from our previous podcast where I have failed to write words correctly, um, I thought I'd just continue. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Why not? Why not? So, yeah, we finished uh, chapter 14. Um, and chapter 14 was, was sort of like sort of finished off all that dreaming and stuff, didn't it? So, um, and... Uh, Chapter 15 starts with Rand waking up. Um, he's had lots more dreams, although you put aware of the other dreams, he's unaware. Uh, he only remembers the first one. <laughs> um, and he's got all his aches and pains returned, despite the fact of the baths that they had the other day. And everybody's buggered off and left him. He's just stuck in bed by himself. Um, I, d- <laughs> I did like this bit because I was a bit like, oh, okay, everyone's just going, oh, he's fine. Bugger, let's just go. In a strange place, doesn't know where he is or what's going on, really. Yeah, fine. We'll go out for the day. Yeah, why not? 
I mean, you know, it's not like uh, he, he's he been there before. It's fine. No, he hasn't. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's just been abandoned. Bless him. Uh, no one's woken him up. He's clearly needing sleep. But he washes and dresses, puts on Tam swords, head downstairs. Um, over here is a nice sort of semi-heated conversation between the cook and Mr. Fitch or Finch. As uh, is it says in brackets, <laughs> that was the autocorrect, <laughs> wasn't it? I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mr. Finch, um, <laughs> when he leaves the cook, he dresses Rand. He gets him some bread, milk, and cheese. And uh, you've got thoughts about the cook here, don't you? Yeah, she's feisty, isn't she? She. Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what the argument was about. Was it about mice? Yes. Yeah, I believe so. That um, basically. The uh, Mr. Fitch was complaining that there were dead dead rats everywhere. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Which is it? It comes up much later on about the fact that after this dream, mm-hmm. there's dead rats lying around, which yeah. is kind of a bit a weird coincidence. And she's like, well, yeah. "Why? Why are you complaining about my cat like killing lots of rats? Surely that's what they're meant to do." Yeah, and then tells him that she'll she'll quit basically, <laughs> takes the apron off. And he's like, oh, crap. Uh, no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Would we employ this lady in our kitchen? No. Hell yes. Yeah? It, she is diver. She is diver. She is diver. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I never thought about that. Yes, so diver. Okay, I love that. <laughs> so, you, you pushed her to the limit and she's just, no, no, not doing it. No more. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, God. Yeah, I could see diver doing that. Just take off the air. Okay, you do. I go. <laughs> <laughs> alright so Diver lets him know that all the others have gone out except uh, quote one lad who wasn't feeling well um, and you're questioning who isn't feeling well and why uh, is it just tired or bad dreams did you have a guess I mean obviously we find out who it was later but did you did you know who was not feeling well at that point uh, no I didn't and I just thought it was a bit strange I, I, I hadn't made the connection at that point that you know what we find out so it, i just thought it was odd that one of them was sick and wondered who it was fair enough i, I didn't i didn't it wasn't in my head that oh yeah they there's this shared thing yeah gotcha all right so Rand sits there and eats uh diver goes back to needing her bread and it appears though the argument that Rand witnessed um is uh, with dead uh, rats as we've just previously said so um, but then we get the line, all the backs are broken on the rats. Yeah. Uh, we've literally just discussed this and then it's in writing. It's really weird. It's fine because <laughs> the, com- the conversation is, is, you know, just reiterated, isn't it? So, um, but we just sort of skipped ahead a little bit there. But what did you think, yeah, I think about the, the facts about all these rats? Well, I, I brought up the, the question um, at the end of my little bit saying, so is this an effect of the dream or... Was it a purposeful action done by the Dark One? Is his reach that extensive? Can he affect things um, not in his presence or in one of his minions' presence? And that was kind of where what I was wondering whether this is a, a direct sort of correlation to the rats getting their back snapped in the dream. And it's it's actually happened to those around or was it a sort of purposeful demonstration of power so that when he got up, he knew the dream was um, had taken place and that 
that it was the dark one that had been trying to entrap him. Yeah, I mean, both are pretty creepy, aren't they? Um, yeah. Whether it's <laughs> accidental or deliberate, it's, it's a very creepy thing. If you had to go one way or the other, do you think it's deliberate or just a just a byproduct of the dream? I don't know which one I'd prefer. I, I'm, <laughs> That's definitely a good I, point, yeah. I, I'm going to say I think it's a an effect, especially as we learn out that more has happened to other people. Um, there's clearly some sort of... Well, there's clearly a lot of power involved in forcing a shared thing or, or, or a um, so many people to have a, a, um, that dream all at once or a similar dream. So there's, there's an incredible amount of power there. So I think it's maybe a, uh, oh, what's the word? Like a, a physical representation of that and not necessarily he's managed to also snap a load of rats back. So at the same time, it's just a, a knock-on effect. Right. Okay. I hear what you're saying. Uh, kind of like real world ripples of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, what did I think at this stage? I I think I probably lent on the, that it was deliberate when I first read the books. Oh, okay. Uh, just as the creepy reminder. But I don't know, like ha- having it be an effect of the dream and an un- unintentional effect that's that's got a bigger creep factor doesn't it so but there's a lot of mystery around this um yeah i don't think it's ever really explained so uh, it's just interpretation if i remember correctly so give you that one for free there i don't normally explain things (laughs) like and comment with your thoughts yes there we go (laughs) and you just be like sometimes you're better at social media than i am you don't even use social media that's hilarious I do. I open the app, scroll down, and then close the app. That's, that's my social media like activity. Occasionally tweet something that makes no sense and isn't linked to anything else, so it, uh, it's me. just out there. That's me on Twitter. <laughs> I like, have I been tagged in anything or notified of anybody I'm following? No? Scroll to the top, close. <laughs> <laughs> Pioneers we are. Oh, yes. There we go. This is clearly how it's done. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So <laughs> Rand's sitting there eating his food. He's not really enjoying it um, or listening to Sarah. She continues to talk, um, except for that the Gleam and Tom is in the common room. And that's where he heads off to next. Tom stood on a table entertaining the many patrons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. We've just talked about your social media. Okay. So the notes literally read this, ladies and gents. Tom is stood on a table entertaining the many patrons. Brackets. Why not join Malkia's patron for early access to podcasts, etc.? <laughs> You're putting promos in your own notes for me. This is hilarious. <laughs> I so forgot I'd done that. That's brilliant. That is great. Ladies and gents, yes, if you join the Patreon, you can you can get uh, early access to the podcast episodes, uh, you know, special bits of discord all sorts of bits and pieces so you can get merchandise the whole nine yards there's there's lots of things in there so uh but carrying on with tom and his patrons um rand doesn't go in uh he just uh closes it and says he's you know realizes he's not going to get any advice from tom and he wonders what advice he would get from moraine if she knew so and your notes here is quite interesting on your thoughts i i so like i i know i've i've beat on him a little bit 
but I, there, there keeps on being bits in the storyline where I'm like, he's going to do what I think he should do. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it quite often doesn't happen, but this was one of those moments where I was like, oh, is he going to tell her? He's actually, you know, he's going to disregard this person that's evil, that is definitely evil, and tell the person that he thinks might be evil something. I think she is the lesser of the two evils. Like, mm-hmm. just Tala. Uh, I mean, I, I think I realised that you know after her her comment to to the boys about you know she'd do anything to stop the dark one getting there is a a real potential danger there. Yes, but I I still think it's rational to believe that someone that creeps into your dreams and causes you to have quite a disturbing dark nightmare as it actually is you know is is probably the person you want to avoid more logic would dictate that the person saving you from evil creatures as opposed to the person diving into your dreams telling you they're the evil one and <laughs> killing rats whether physically in the real world or that being a byproduct but you know, that whole situation. Logic would dictate trust the one that's grey as opposed to the one that's morally grey or appears morally grey as opposed to the one that says, no, I'm literally evil incarnate. I think as well, the, the my, my desperation for him to tell her things isn't necessarily he's got to tell her everything. He doesn't have to go out and say, oh, you know, the dark one's been in my dreams. I've had a, a nice long conversation. You know, he offered me a drink. We chilled out. It, you, <laughs> we you know, shot it the breeze in the afternoon, be. got out the camp chairs, you know, cooked some sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could just be, you know, I can feel he's trying to get to me. You know, some indication, because if she is acting as their protector in whatever form for the time being, she clearly understands more than they do. Mm-hmm. Is it not worth giving her as much information as possible so that she can protect them to the best ability rather than, you know, just expecting her to be able to deal with things and save their ass? But then I, I suppose there's also the, the the point I think I've made before that they don't seem to to act like this is real yet. That's true. They're, they're, they're very much like, oh, I wish I was back home sort of thing, rather than, oh, crap, there's a lot going on. I really hope we don't die. <laughs> there's that kind of denial at the moment. So maybe that's why he, he he doesn't want to believe that anything's real. Yeah. He'd rather think that actually, you know, this will blow over in a couple of days and they'll be going back to Edmunds Field and normality will resume. It's very possible. So they are uh, denial is a big stage of things, so I can absolutely uh, see that fitting in. Um, I like your notes here. You said I think there is potential for her to react negatively, like the dark one insinuated, but I think the risk is higher if he doesn't seek help. Um, yeah, yeah, I like that. But yeah, okay. So moving on, um, he remembers the cook told him that one of the others had remained. Uh, so he heads up to the room the boys have stayed in, and after knocking and opening the door, he sees Perrin still in bed. Perrin turns to look, but his eyes close straight away after. 
Rand sits beside him and begins to speak, but cuts himself off, apologizing for bothering him when he's sick. Perrin tells him he's unsure he will ever sleep again. He had a bad dream, and Matt did too, although it seems to be he seems to be acting as if it wasn't a big deal. Perrin is laid awake listening to him toss and turn, mutter himself most of the night. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to read your comment out here because I like this. So, you're, you're, I'm going to quote you. Hang on, if all three had the dream that poo-poo's my common, my comment <laughs> about the dark one, <laughs> making it very clear that Rand is the true dragon. So all cards are back on the table, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because suddenly he's he's not he's the the protagonist in our story so far but he's suddenly not the the clear sort of hero is he because you've got these these other two that are now also being affected by things that previously i thought rand was the only one by yes this is the first indication that the the dark dreams these crazy dreams whatever you want to to title them has uh been happening to all of them as opposed to just Rand. So it does. Did did Rand ever have a conversation after his previous one, the one where he was um, at the Great Canyon sort of valley, and then got to that town with the weird smiley, happy, dancey people? Um, did he ever have a conversation with those two about that? I don't believe so. Um, I definitely because feel like that's something we would have talked about if that had happened. Yeah. And I'm just wondering now whether actually, uh, because obviously he is the, our story protagonist at the moment, He whether they've potentially had similar things and because there's not been a conversation around it, you know, we don't know. I'm looking back through the notes and I don't think that we discussed anything about him sharing the idea. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that he did not have that discussion with his friends. Or if he did, it was off screen and not shared. So that's all I could say there. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but we get a bit of discussion about the dream after this. Um, he sort of ran sits back down after half leaving, half rising to leave. And um, he asks, did he kill a rat? And Perrin confirms that this dream they all seem to have shared asks if Rand has told Moraine, and obviously he hasn't, and he's unsure if he will. Um, Rand tries to get Perrin to come and join him exploring the city, but Perrin shrugs the suggestion off. He doesn't want to see the new city. He wants to stay in bed. Uh, Rand runs off to see uh, to find Matt and see if he had the same dream, and uh, gets a little shocked when he steps out the door. Kind of like I think most of us felt the first time we saw town full of people uh, after lockdown. I, I can imagine that's... <laughs> I'm sympathising there. The first time I went into town, I was like, my God, there's so many people around. What's going on? Town's been empty prior to this. Um, that's probably how Rand felt walking out into that courtyard, the hustle and bustle of, quote, city life. So uh, realising people aren't like back home and all these people bumping each other without a word are strangers to each other. A sudden change of hearts at the sight of all these people and the fort of a city, the same one. I might wait. Let me read that. Sorry. A sudden change of the heart at the sight of all these people and the fort of a city, the same as the one street. Cause, what is this sentence saying? I, I, I believe it's. I'm not certain to be honest, but I think it was talking about the. Uh, he has a sudden change of heart when he sees all those people and the thought of a city. 
where the the street is on now is the same size as you know Edmunds Field. Ah, right. Okay. Yes. So yeah, he has a sudden change of heart with all these people, um, and he just looks out this this city and basically you know one street full of people is like the size of Edmunds Field type thing. So okay, cool. He decides that Tom might. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> might, might might have finished his speech, and uh, and Perry should be left alone, so he should stay inside. I love these sentences. They're hilarious. <laughs> we should. I should make this a, a, a patron thing. You can access Noel's notes <laughs> at certain levels. I definitely should make this an ax a, a patron thing. Um, <laughs> you've just put that he's panicked at the city he sees. I love that. Um, yes. I don't know why I wrote that as a note because it's quite clear from the. It's fine. He's oh. he's panicked at the post-COVID world that he sees in Berlin. It's fine. Um... <laughs> All right, so rather than heading back inside, he's going to stay outside and just basically sit and stare and, and do a bit of people watching. Uh, he's aware occasionally that Much, one of the stable hands, stares at him disapprovingly, uh, disapprovingly as he enters and exits the stables. And as he sits there, a woman's voice suddenly startles him. A shepherd with a heron-marked sword. That's almost enough to make me believe anything. And it's men the girl Moraine had been talking to in the corridor before. She asks for confirmation that he is indeed Rand and tells him her name. Uh, he tells her he is in trouble, unaware of what Moraine has told her. He attempts to pacify her interest, telling her the Two Rivers is a quiet place and they are quiet people. In seems to know difference, making jokes about uh, people making jokes about Two Rivers folk, but hints at a different opinion from those who actually go there. As Min tells him what people say, Two Rivers folk appear kind and gentle outside, but underneath they are as tough as old oak roots. She mentions Moraine not having told her everything, but what she that she sees what she sees. So, um, and your thoughts on this? First, yeah, first point before I, I mention what I put as notes. Much, I didn't make much of a fuss about him, but he, there's there's a point much further on where it's it's a lot clearer, I think, when reading that he is not a very nice chappy. Ah. Um, and I don't know whether I missed that coming through in this bit when I was reading it, because I, I, I clearly didn't pick up on it. But it was it was later on at that. I assume most of the readers will know which point I'm talking about. But it's you're just like, oh, he's really not nice. When I was reading this bit, I just thought, he, you know, he was giving him a bit, bit of a dirty look, and that was it. Right. Um, I don't know how I missed much being much more of a nasty person well you've picked it up as you've re-noticed so you know you, you've, you've got it don't worry <laughs> what do you think about Min though uh, proper interesting um, and uh, I mean with that first little bit before we get into sort of that she sees thing like <laughs> she's got that kind of air of you know a palm reader or something speaks almost like not giving much away, but giving enough away to make you oh, what she sees things and you now she sees what she sees and it's not really telling you what she she kind of sees <laughs> or how she sees. That is true, but just sort of gets you to go oh okay interesting. Um, I like that you've put. I'm very... Sorry, go. No, go on, go on. I was. About, I like that you put that uh, she isn't just a scullery maid or or whatever. And uh, she's important enough to be entrusted with Moraine's real identity. Yeah, and uh, it it 
made me think that maybe she was some sort of um, like plant. She's there um, to ensure that Moraine or something was safe when they passed through, whenever they passed through. Um, obviously, I, I'm not. That's not really what I think now. But I'd be very interested to know how they got to know each other. And I don't know whether that's ever talked about later in books, but it, it's not. Right. Yeah, I'd be interested to know how Moraine stumbled across this person. Well, hopefully you'll find out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to read a few of your notes here and then we can just sort of talk about them collectively. Um, so when Ran feigns ignorance of, to, of the name Moraine, obviously Min replies, well, Mistress Alice, then if you would prefer... Uh, Min explains who she is and how she came to know Moraine and her identities. Um, and then she goes to to explain how she picks up things about people they don't know yet. And Moraine asked her to have a look at the group and tell her what she sees. So we learn a bit, little bit more about Min in that sort of discussion there, don't we? Yeah, I wish I'd made better notes on that. Because I don't remember how she came to know Moraine, which is why I just said I'd be interested to know how she came to know Moraine. Well, um, you know, you, you've talked about here in your notes that she has gifts, being able to see parts of the pattern. Um, yeah, I assume that it would have been very clear to her when she looked at Moraine and Lan just how different they were, especially with what she revealed she saw about uh, love. Lord, Lan, Lan, whichever one. <laughs> Whatever you want to call him, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. The, bit, the big guy. The big guy. Stoneface. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so... I you, might call him Towers from now on. Towers. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. So do you think she can spot an Aes Sedai in a water just because of her gifts? Is that what you're saying there? Um, I, I think that she can definitely pick people out for being different enough from the crowd. Okay. Whether whether that, like, you know, she goes, oh, yeah, you're Aes Sedai, or whether she just goes, oh, well, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're powerful in certain ways. Mm-hmm. She sees images, doesn't she? She doesn't see, um, it's not like an aura as such. She sees images of, things that represent something about that person yes yeah she yeah she sees uh, just um basically just above them as if it were uh i don't know some kind of banner flapping above their head just displaying different things um I, that's probably a really bad imagery um but yeah that's yeah, she does just see sort of pictures that describe things about people um and sometimes she knows what they means and sometimes she has no idea what they mean so um you think that Moraine might have asked her to look at the group to try and work out which one of them is being hunted? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I I would assume that she that was that hush conversation before was her saying, I, I would like to know what you see about the people I'm with. Okay. Because she's trying to piece together, you know, which one of them is in most danger because she's not taking them all with her. Um, because she wants a big group issue. She'd taken them originally, mm-hmm. particularly the boys, because there was three of them that were uh, 
marked as being potential targets or potentially being this important person and she doesn't know why they're important either really other than that one wants which means that she wants to protect them yeah do you think Min knows which one is being hunted no okay no from from she may have left things out from what she saw about the group but I think she was pretty I, I'm inclined to believe that Min is pretty on the level she says that she's against the um, white cloak or she's aligned herself against them. Mm-hmm. So I don't see her as being... I, I don't get the feeling that she's working to an agenda to get some. Okay. So we're, we're trusting men off the bat here, basically. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we get a little talk about some of the, vis- the visions of the, or the things she sees. So we've got uh, her describing that when they're in a group, they're surrounded by hundreds of motes of light, but also shadow. It seems as if the light is trying to reclaim the shadow and the shadow and the light, and they're all connected together. Uh, obviously, shocking Rand. Uh, he asks even a Gwen, Um and then there was some kind of slip he made, which I can't remember exactly now. Um, but she reiterates, they're all connected, even the Gleeman. Uh, and then she talks about how he loves Egwene, she loves him too, but they'll never be together because she is like Moraine. And then we get into a discussion of what she sees when she looks at the others. Um, but I like this this question here you put, she smiles before answering as if she knows what he really wants to ask, and you don't know what he wanted to ask. <laughs> I, I remember coming to work and oh, speaking to you and saying, I have no clue what that I rem- about. I remember that too, yeah, like, what does he want to ask? I don't bloody know. <laughs> well, Maybe that's a reread answer there. Um, <laughs> said like just, Once you've read it all, then you go back and be like, oh, that's probably what he wanted to ask. Yeah, I, 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 I like the bit where he kind of gets a bit flustered at the idea that Egwene is not going to be the normal housewife again. Mm-hmm. Seems a bit like he, he, he's uncomfortable at any idea that Egwene is going to be something special. Yes, we, we've we've talked about his thoughts there, and um, yeah, how he needs a bit of a bit of a smack around the head, basically. Um, but hopefully, he grows out of that. We'll we'll have to wait and read and find out. Um, <laughs> but we'll we'll go through some of her answers, so to speak, um, and I can go through them all, or do you want to go through them one by one and talk about them? Uh, I don't think there's any particular one that I. I specifically uh, sort of had major thoughts on. I think it's a general rule of like, I think I um, I made a, a bit of a note after these. Okay. Well, I'll where just, I said, yeah. I'll, I'll go, yeah, go ahead. And, yeah. I'll, I'll go through them and, and put your comments. Um, if there's something you hear and you're like, Do you know what, actually, I think that's something really important. You can just be like, oh, hold up, wait. Um, and then we'll, we'll carry on through your other notes if you've made a, a sort of follow-up comment on them. So first we get something about Master Andress. Seven ruined towers, a baby in a cradle holding a sword. Uh, she makes excuses for not continuing on that description. So what does she see that she doesn't want to say? That's what you're thinking there. Um, yeah. About the Gleeman, a man not him juggling fire and the White Tower. And she remarks how that doesn't make sense for a man. Um 
curly-haired fellow, which is Perrin, <laughs> a wolf, a broken crown, and trees growing all around him. Uh, the other one, which is Matt, a red eagle, uh, which is an eye on a balance scale, a dagger with a ruby, a horn, and a laughing face. And then lastly for Rand, a sword that isn't a sword, a golden crown of laurel leaves, a beggar's staff, Rand pouring water onto sand, a bloody hand and a white hot iron, three women standing over a funeral bier with you on it, black rock wet with blood, and most of all, lightning around you, some striking you, some coming out of you. So, lots of... Uh, it, it kind of felt that there were more things as you went through the list, wasn't it? Like, you know, uh, Lan gets a little bit, Gleaver gets a little bit, Perry gets a little bit more, and then Matt more than that, and then Rand, his, like, a paragraph. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't yeah, really understand any of it, except that they're going to meet again. So, what are your thoughts? Well, so, I, I couldn't make head nor tails of any of these. Because I did read them a couple of times once I'd made the list, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I don't know what any of them and I'll be able to sort of hazard a guess." Um, I did for you know a, a very short time think, "Oh, baby in a cradle holding a sword." Uh, is that Rand? And I was like, "No, that doesn't make sense to me." Okay, it does. There's not enough of. Um, doesn't fit into anything that I, I know so far well enough. You're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Got you. Um, Rand's was really confusing. I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a long list most, of Rand, isn't it? So, Well, yeah, most most people's, though, were objects and things that we were like, okay, a wolf, you know, uh, um, I don't know, a man juggling. They're, they're things that I was like, oh, yeah, that's a, a, a thing you could see. Mm-hmm. A sword that isn't a sword? What? <laughs> <laughs> what a dagger? Uh, is it a rubber balloon sword? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah, Tom, it, Tom's going to do some balloon arts and uh, just <laughs> create him a new weapon. <laughs> a beggar's staff? What? Him pouring water onto sand? All right, what? He's emptying a container? Like, it, it just, there's no, like... I didn't read it and go, oh, that's a logical thing that makes sense as something important to see. It's just weird. Right. Um, but I did wonder that as the story progresses, whether these are like omens of things to come and whether when they happen, I'll read it and go, oh, yeah, I remember that thing. Okay. Uh, um, do you think these are literal things or... Very esoteric, a bit of a mix. Like, you know, how how literal do you think we're getting here with these things? Some of the things I think could be, like, literal signs. Some of them I, I don't... I mean, they could be literal things, but I, I, would, I would hazard more towards the, the idea that they are a representation of Rand with lightning shooting out of him and to him. Um, seems a bit weird. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's going to happen, but uh, I I would see that as more of sort of a um, a metaphor or something that's going to happen to him, okay. rather than a thing. Do you think any of this is just mumbo jumbo bullshit, or do you think all of it's relevant? Um, 
As in, do I think that some of it she's just made up? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. Um, or do you think some of it is just, I don't know, just guesswork and it's not actually relevant or possible or going to happen or anything of that nature? I'm just, I'm just curious how much of this you'd be like, right, okay, something's going to happen involving, you know, uh, a, you know, uh, a sword that isn't a sword, water pouring on sand. You're like, you know, are you thinking these things are actually going to happen throughout the books? Or if you're like, mm, maybe that describes more of a, um, you know, something he does in terms of very big picture as opposed to literally pouring water onto sand at some point, you know. Oh yeah, no, I, I I think that they probably represent um sort of a bigger thing rather than a, a specific he's he's gotta go and pour some water on the sand <laughs> to move the story along. Um, okay. But but things like uh Black Rock wet with blood, you know, that's that's a very real thing that could happen as part of us an arc of the story mm-hmm. that's insignificant, but in that moment that represents that thing. Okay, yep, I see what you're saying. And, so, and it'd be a, a very real thing you could look back on as you're reading and go, oh yeah, Black Rock with, wet with blood. Okay, so you're kind of expecting that, you know, 99% of this is going to become relevant, even if it's just a small way or a... Yeah, I, I, I imagine it as she looks at somebody and sees snapshots of future or past gotcha and she doesn't get a representation of what's happening she gets a a an item or a a sort of representation of that moment so you know potentially it could be him stabbing somebody and they're laid against the black rock and the blood's running off it or he could be lying against it and bleeding and you know it's 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 just a a part of that scene. Okay, cool. All right, well, we'll have to remember this section and... Um, I, I 100% won't remember any of those items. <laughs> yes. All right, I'll, I'll tell you what, I will be a good guide and I, if... Because I understand, obviously, her references here. So, um, you know, accurate, inaccurate, vague, detailed, literal you know metaphysical whatever that you know yeah however it works out and uh when those moments occur i'll i will be a good guide and be like hey remember she said this um yeah misdirection literal metaphysical you know whatever the appropriate thing is i'll i will try to be like hey this was this moment uh to help you out there i'll be nice like that uh, i won't leave you in the dark <laughs> <laughs> unlike most people who read it alone bless them so but yeah, we carry on. Um, obviously, she said they're going to meet again, and Rand said that's likely because they'll be traveling back this way when he comes home. Uh, Min smile returns, and she says, patting him on the cheek, if I told you all I saw, your hair would be as curly as Perrin's. And the touch, or perhaps the words, make Rand pull back, and he asks about rats or dreams. Um, uh, you've put that it seems she's seen something of the nightmares that he endures. And the next part of their dialogue is weird and creepy. <laughs> uh, At the time, that, that probably made loads of sense, but yeah. without actually what the dialogue is, <laughs> it's just a really <laughs> weird sentence. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, Rand excuses himself. He's, he's clearly very uncomfortable. He starts fast walking away. Min calls out several times, 
telling him that he cannot escape her. He cannot run. That's probably the weird, creepy bit, to be yeah, honest. That was the weird bit. And I was just like, what? Yeah. Why is she doing that? I love your idea here is uh, why does she suddenly start acting as if she's possessed by Al- by Balzaman? Uh, is she? Or is she just echo- echoing that she has seen that they have met again and pointing out he cannot escape his destiny? And if that's the case, she pr- could have probably done it in a less <laughs> freaky way. <laughs> Maybe she enjoys the, you know, freaking people out, you know, it's possible. It's possible that she just sees that he's a bit of a, a like um, odd one who likes to react to stuff and sort of should tease him. Yeah. I mean, people love horror movies. People love creepy stuff. So, you know, maybe maybe she's got a, I like to weird people out with the things I see motif. Um, also, we, because it's text, we don't know how she said it. She could be like, you can't escape me. <laughs> and that would have been a lot less freaky and just weird. Yeah, that's very true. I've got visions of some kind of like Scooby Doo villain being like, "You can't escape me. I will find you, Randolph." <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, cool. Well, we've we've got away from Min and her weird, creepy, freaky. You know, you you cannot escape me motif. Um, and he finds himself out in Bailon, uh, and it's not as filled with pal- It's not as filled with palaces and grand buildings in the way that. Uh, stories suggest of towns and cities but he finds it beautiful begins enjoying himself staring at shops uh, causing a few shopkeepers to stare at him until he rushed on and he noticed how expensive everything was and the quality of fresh food was poor in comparison to what he ate at Emmons Field uh, so clearly you know he, he's a good farmer because he's you know getting the good quality veggies apparently uh, but yeah well I, I suppose it's a, it would be a normal thing to experience if you're, as a town, growing your own food, raising your own cattle, mm-hmm. it's that field to fork thing, isn't it? There's a very small footprint. Did you just quote where... work? Field to fork. Uh, oh, God, yeah, I did, I? <laughs> That's a slogan Jesus. for work for us. Oh, I'll be glad that that's not a slogan anymore. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you're quite right. Yes, if you're growing it in your back garden and then you eat, yeah, it's going to be fresher if you're doing some sort of bulk growing and then it's getting sold on the market it's not going to be as fresh so yeah it's a fair point it's not something i picked up on when i read the books so um yeah that he would view the food and 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 see it from a farming perspective uh rand is surprised as he's you know scaring all these shopkeepers and such that uh, the people milling around him look very similar to people he's lived with uh around emmons field uh, but he kind of expected it to be like a different culture, a different creature altogether. So he began noticing that some people looked remarkably similar to people he knew. The man outside the tavern, Billy, looked like Conger's... Oh, sorry. The man outside the tavern looked like Billy Conger's closest cousin. And the uh, the tailor looked like John Thane's brother. And that man looks like looks just like Master Thane, the peddler. Uh, and as he looks, that man freezes in his tracks because it is him. It is the peddler. Rand calls out. He darts away with Rand without a word. Uh, Rand, you know, Thane's moving pretty quick, but Rand gives chase and spots him as he darts into an alley. Uh, Rand, as Anne runs into the alley, Thane has stooped still. Uh, the alley's at a dead end. Rand tells him they all thought he was dead and he should come to the stag and lion. Thane's not looking very shabby, uh, not looking very good at this point. He's quite shabby, worn clothes, torn in places. Um, and, you know, basically Thane's like, well, it's going to take worse to kill me than what I went through. He knows when to jump. 
He complains about losing his car and his horses and goods. He complains about the distance he travelled, the things he's had to eat. Uh, you know, all while Rand and the others have been well fed in warm beds. Rand tells him if he comes back, Moraine could help him get his horses from Emmons Field. So, what do you think about all this interaction with Thane suddenly reappearing? Did you think he died? I can't remember. I'm sure I asked you that question. I, I, I can't remember. I just remember his cart being destroyed mm-hmm. back in Edmunds Field and everything lying around. But I don't, it wasn't talked about whether he'd gone anywhere. Although I, I feel like there was a brief conversation about someone saying he'd disappeared, like they saw him run off. Right, okay. When the Trollocs came, wasn't it? The mm-hmm. Trollocs and stuff had come in and he ran off. I mean, and not, it was, not an unsurprising reaction with Trollocs, so... No, no. Um, I just assumed that he had ran off to safety. You know, he doesn't live there. It's not his his town or, or whatever, and he's just a travelling merchant. Um, When this encounter sort of starts immediately I got a really vibe and I, I know it's written that way anyway this shifty guy that's just ran off and tried to hide in a dead end alleyway yeah. rather than just saying, oh hi um, but yeah he's it, very acting very odd um, and when he sort of perks up at the here in Marine is with them and the way he was belittling them for you know, all his woes. Yeah. It was just a very weird vibe. I immediately sort of jumped out of that this was odd. Yep. Uh, are you trusting Thane at this point? Are we liking Thane at this point? Are we still unsure? Uh, as soon as he met him, I thought, oh, cool. You know, maybe he's run off for whatever reason or scared. And then when he gets to the alleyway, then I thought, no, this guy's dodgy. Don't trust Okay, cool. And, and the more Ran talks, the more I thought, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've even noted here that um, he tells Rand how much he dislikes the Aes Sedai and begs Rand not to tell her that he is here. Yeah. Yeah. So he's obviously got a thing with the Aes Sedai there, as you've put in your notes. Rand tries to quell Thane's seeming panic, um, you know, saying, come up can at least get a meal sort of thing. Um, encourages Fane, but he tells Rand he must not let her hurt him. And tells him he won't, but swiftly Fane says she won't because he won't let her and darts out of the alley. And before Rand can see where he went, he crashes into someone who turns into be Matt. Turns into be Matt. Turns out to be Matt. <laughs> turns into be Matt. Turns out to be Matt. Like... Magically shifts sh- shapes yeah. and becomes Um <laughs> Matt had also seen Fane, although much briefer than Rand, and they discuss him for a second before... Rand gets back to asking about the dream, and Matt did have it too. Rand tells him that he wants to talk with Tom about it, and asks, you know, should we tell Moraine? And that causes Matt to sharply interject, because he doesn't want her to be told. So, and as you've noted here, that seems to have... It seems to imply that Barzwan's threat has taken root. Yeah, I, I, I assume if they've shared the same dream, even though it would be, you know, unique to them. Mm-hmm. It's them within the dream, the same threats and sort of uh, stories been told to them. What she'll do if she finds out? Yeah. So it's it's interesting that Rand is is more so than his friends, seeming to have a bit of a battle of whether he should talk or not. Yeah. And the others seem less interested in doing so. 
yeah, Matt does. Matt is kind of a hundred percent doesn't want to say anything. Perrin is kind of like, I don't even want to engage with the conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm gonna hide in bed. Uh, and Rand's like, I need validation before I do anything. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, panicked at the possibility of Perrin telling Moraine, even though he was a bit meh earlier, they rush back to the inn to try and catch him before he says anything. Rand thinks he has a cold, and you've questioned, but but what is it? Uh, and Matt just chatters the whole way back. Min comes up. Yeah, Rand. Sorry, Gary. I was just going to say, yeah, it, it's very brief in my bit there, but he suddenly starts to feel a bit unwell, doesn't he? Okay, so uh, right, I thought your notes meant that you thought Perrin had a cold there. Okay, so yeah, Rand's, Rand's not feeling shit hot. Yeah, he starts to feel a bit um, off. Mm-hmm. And I, I put what is it because all of, it comes on all of a sudden. Yeah, there's no mention of it, mention of him not feeling well. You know, he's rested. He, he had a bit of a crap night's sleep, but he's he's okay and he goes off and does stuff. And then all of a sudden, he starts to feel bad. And yeah. I just kind of, oh, why? I mean, even Matt picks up on that a second later, remarking on how he seems to be sick. Um, yeah, yeah. And at your notes afterwards, like, is this the after effects of the dream, the headaches, the tiredness, now feeling excitement at uh, the next point we're about to discuss? So do you, do you think he's caught something? Do you think he's just randomly not feeling very good? Um, no, I think when I read it, I assumed that this is um, some sort of presence of the dark one. Okay. I assumed this is... Uh, no, I didn't even think it was for effect. I was going to say, I, I, after the dream, I thought that in some way he is being, um, oh, what's the right word? Not tortured, but you get the idea, like he's being affected on purpose. Oh, okay, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. He's, he's still feeling the effects um, and they're kind of just making him feel physically not well as opposed mm. to, you know, sending him doolally. Cool. Yep, I understand what you're saying there. Uh, we then have a fun interaction with these three heavily armoured men. Um, oh, yeah. Matt, what an idiot. <laughs> I remember the day you talked to me about this. Uh, oh. <laughs> so, I liked you before. So you don't like Matt now? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I do. I just, I, it was just so inappropriate. <laughs> it just what. Yeah, so these are the children of the light that are just, you know, just wandering through. Everyone's sort of passing their way before them and they're moving in their little bubble sort of thing. Um, Rand's not really interested, but uh, Matt does not like them and uh, he wants to to get up to a little something. Um, so, you know, he, he darts off to the side and then suddenly appears above a shop. Uh, and with his sling and a well-placed shot, he loosens barrels on the on a cart nearby and they roll out of the alley just as soldiers get to the entrance. The crowd jumps out of the way, as do soldiers, but there's a lot of splashing of feet in the mud and barrels going everywhere. And basically we get the soldiers covered with just mud and crap all over their nice white cloaks. And Matt decides that that's an appropriate moment to vanish away, which I agree <laughs> is the appropriate moment to vanish. Um, you know, don't get caught. However, Ram does not do that, and he decides to laugh at Matt's antics and uh, catches the attention of the three soldiers. And they're like, what do you find funny? <laughs> and 
Rand, Rand just like, oops, oops, shut up. When he notices the leader looks at the hilt of his sword and uh, so Rand tries to cover it. But uh, instead he manages to flip the cloak away from the sword, uh, commenting that accidents happen to everyone. Uh, which you've put is clearly, clearly sounds like a threat to the guys. Yeah, I imagined he said it in that kind of deadpan way of yeah. accident to everyone while staring at them. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah. Here's my sword and accidents happen. What's your problem? Sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, one of the men notices that Rand's sword bears the mark of the heron, points it out, naming the leader as Lord Bornhold. And Bornhold says he's too young to carry a sword and asks where he got it from. Rand says, oh, asks where he's come from, sorry. Rand asks, uh, Rand says, English Rob. Rand says he's just arrived and he's asking about an inn, which seems to annoy the men more as he has not answered their question. And then Rand is strongly starting to feel excitement and anticipation of what is going to happen. And something within him is shouting that this is wrong. Uh, what an interesting interaction. So first point is that Matt is clearly the jester of the group. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the, the, the troublemaker, the, uh, the one that gets into shenanigans. Uh, that's very obvious. Yeah, and drags the others along who all stand there laughing. That, that's immediately what made me think like of how the, the group worked. Okay. Uh, and then this reconfirmed my thoughts that him feeling unwell was the effect of the dark When he starts to get excited but something inside him is telling him that this it's not right hell's mm-hmm. going on yeah it's it's a strange moment isn't it it's like what are you doing here and and you know part of you saying don't do it part of you saying this is hilarious um yeah very confusing moment but uh, I don't know. The, the men decide they might try and take a bit of action against Rand, but the town watch appear, um, just sort of sitting there, standing silently watching. And uh, Lord Bonhold and his men withdraw, claiming that the town is lost in the shadow of the Dark One. And before they storm off completely, Bonhold turns back to Rand and tells him, Dark friends do not escape us, youngling, even in a town that stands in the shadow. We will meet again. You can be sure of it. So, and you've put here, they think, do they think he's aligned with the Dark One because of his attitude or his sword? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about what the Heron, there seems to be some sort of um, reverence or, you know, the knowledge of what it is, but it's so far not really been shared with, with us. Um, it does get shared eventually. Um, and within, well, I, I, within this book as well, so don't worry. I, I assumed that I would find out eventually, but <laughs> I, I mean, my inclination so far has been that it's not some bad. So I don't think it's the sword necessarily, but it was just a strange interaction that kind of made me go, well, maybe it is. Okay. Because they look at the sword and then seem to think that it's not old to carry a a sword with that insignia and then the aggression towards him seems to up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then again, as I say, he was, his attitude was very much like, a, um, not outright mucking, but he didn't give them the, um, respect that they think they deserve and that is shown to them by 
everyone else or, or fear maybe a better word than respect because I don't think the people tend to respect them do they yeah there's definitely a wary nature around them as opposed to a fear uh, as opposed to a respect nature sorry so mm. yeah and you've also put that what does this mean about Tam because we know it's Tam's sword and not just one that's been collected so um, I don't know if you had any more thoughts yeah so it just posed the question didn't it if it was if it was a weapon uh, aligned with the Dark One somehow, what would that mean for Tam? Okay. Are we but again, I, I, potentially I, I'm, suggesting Tam's a bad guy? No, I, I, I moved. I think when I wrote this, I, was, I, I wasn't sure of what had um, made them dislike him so much and be at the point of drawing swords, but I think looking back on it, it's definitely just the attitude. They wanted to assert dominance and power. Gotcha. Okay. And, and because he didn't step back from them, they I mean, it escalated. Cool. All right, yeah. I see what you're saying. Right, well, the the white cloaks have gone and the, the watchmen, after a quick glance, decide to, to follow them off. Um, Matt reappears out of the shop that he snuck into and tells Rand he isn't sick. He's actually crazy. And Rand <laughs> takes a deep breath and seemingly loses that excitement and anticipation, sagging and says that he should go to the inn. On the way back, they bump into Tom, who's leading profession, a procession through the streets, and they begin to tell him about their dreams. Tom listens, but when Rand mentions Baalzman, he pulls them into alleyway and chastises them for mentioning his name anywhere that someone could hear. He asks to hear the stories as much detail as possible, and asks after hearing the details of the dream and how Baalzman had supposedly used people throughout time and their names, Tom seems doubtful but tells them to be cautious and forget the names. They are but dust. On the subject of Moraine, he's just keeping quiet for now. Once they have spoken of it, it cannot be taken back, and it would tie them all to her even more so. And then realising, as they had done, that Perrin could speak about it, uh, he leads them back towards the inn. And at the door to the staggered line, they almost tumble into Perrin, who was rushing out to find them. He hasn't spoken to anyone, but he has news of his own. And what news does he have to share, Noel? No need is here. Da-da-da! <laughs> I love your comment. <laughs> Bloody hell, there'll be no one left at Emmonsfield soon. <laughs> Yeah, it was just—it was so random. Like there was no—I didn't expect anybody else to turn up. And then, oh yeah, by the way, the wisdoms arrived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just what? Do you think perhaps we'll have more appear after this? No, I—I I would like to think that at some point Tan makes an appearance. Okay. Um, but I. Though he's he's mentioned a bit in a second, there's no mention of how well he is. Yeah, um, I don't think, and I I wonder whether he will be. I think they'd be too far away by the time he's ready to to actually follow. Yeah, fair. Well, so I, I would be surprised if he he makes an appearance this definitely. Okay, so Tam might reappear at some point, but not in this book. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think it would be a long way off. And I don't think anyone else is... There was no one else from the beginning of the book that I I think made... Their name doesn't stand out as well. Okay. I don't think Senbui would... Um, 
come come trotting after them, <laughs> other than to maybe how wise and cause trouble. But maybe who knows? Who knows? Okay. Might be that comic comic value. I can definitely see the comedic value there. That would, uh, yeah, that'd be brilliant. Okay, well, <laughs> we've we've got Nynaeve as stated. Um, Perrin says that she came after quote us, and she's inside with Moraine, and the air is icy cold. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Matt wants to go somewhere else and avoid the potential confrontation. And Matt says sternly that uh, she cannot make them go back if she cannot see that that if they uh, if she cannot see that then they will make her. And this caused him to raise his eyebrow. Uh, <laughs> do you do you think yeah. they could make her see that if she was like you're coming home and they were like no? Do you think they would win that argument? I mean, they could not go with her, but I I think the idea that he's going to stand up and be like, oh yeah, no, we're not doing this, and like make her see their way of thinking is ridiculous. Like he essentially cowered from her back in Edmund's field. I don't think he's he's suddenly got brave. <laughs> Fair point. I, mean, I think he'd probably walk into the room and then hide in the corner behind somebody. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. And I don't think the others would actually go in the room. Okay. Wow. All right. So, yeah, <laughs> two out of three are not even going in the door and, and one does and, and cowers in the corner. Fair point. Fair uh, Tom does interject at this point, saying that Nynaeve will not stop until she has said her piece, and it would be better to hear her out sooner rather than later, especially when the longer she is angry, the more chance that she will draw unwanted attention. And the chapter kind of pulls to, a, to an end there, um, because the next one begins yeah. with the, with all of all of that situation. So um, it's titled The Wisdom. But let's let's talk about what you've got take, to take away from this chapter. So You've put there's a lot to unpack in this chapter. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of things happened in very... It felt like quite a long chapter, but a lot of things happened in quick succession mm-hmm. um, without much pause in between, was there? You know, to, uh, finding out about the rats, then in, then out on the street, um, getting unwanted, like, where he stares of him. And then seeing Fane, then Matt, and then the White Cloaks, and then Tom, and you know it—it it just keeps going and going, mm-hmm. which is quite nice actually because there were some chapters that I think we said before, like it, it felt like it was very slow to build. Yes, yeah, they they um, get different pacing in, uh, with the chapters, um, as with every book. Obviously, any book does that. Um, but this is definitely one of the one that sort of just builds momentum a little bit. A lot of questions, not many answers. Yeah, but that, that's true of, <laughs> of all of them so far for me. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, I know nothing. You know nothing. Uh, well, John's knowing it currently. So, uh, but yeah, let's let's have a, a little quick through. So you've put the um, whatever the important reason is that the dark one hunts for them. The dark one itself doesn't. It isn't sure about which one it needs. Um, we've spoken about the blurring of the dream into the real world with the dead rats. Yeah. Uh, and the lasting effects, clearly for Rand and maybe for Matt too. Headaches, strange tiredness, trouble focusing, uh, excitement at the prospect of trouble seems worth noting. And Matt's rash decision to play pranks on the white cloaks. Are the characters this stupid or is this a sign <laughs> of something too? <laughs> 
So I'm going to ask you that to, to come down on the side of that. You could do it individually or for both of them. Do you think there is something like they're, they're just stupid and wanted to play a prank and found it hilarious? Or did something affect them to do that, uh, either individually or together? So I think um, with Rand, something's going on. Okay. The, um, the weird excitement counteracted by it you know, his internal voice screaming, whoa, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. There's, there's obviously something there. Right. With Matt, oh, it's so hard to judge. It would be really dumb to think in a random city that to target, you know, these armoured sword-carrying guys when you don't have a lot and you're not a proficient fighter like there's got to be stupid but is it born from him having similar effects although he you know he mentions that ran looks ill mm-hmm. he doesn't look ill or it isn't mentioned so i'm going to side on the fact that matt is being a bit stupid at that moment i don't think he is stupid but i think he's he's misjudging He's so used to playing pranks in Edmund's field and getting away with stuff. Yeah, so he's just so, having a, an immature moment, so to speak, and not not thinking. Yeah, he see he sees three guys that you know are forcing others out of their way, and people are so scared of them they sort of part like the sea, um, and thinks uh, they don't deserve that sort of fear uh, from from normal folks so I'm going to teach them a lesson okay cool well, well we'll we'll see as we go on whether you know Matt is uh, immature and stupid or being affected and if Rand <laughs> is being effective or immature and stupid um <laughs> Fane you're thinking the man has got insane that's what you're thinking and you've got some questions about him so yeah he's he seemed riddled with madness um and I, I, yeah, so my questions were, is he working for the Dark One or does, I, I had this thought that potentially is he selling himself to whoever he thinks has the upper hand. Right. Um, but when Rand was talking, he was edgy and more interested at knowledge of where they were staying, how long they were going to be there, the fact that Moraine was with them. You know, he, he seemed to take in that information more than other thing. Uh, and the bit about that, you know, she's never going to get me and that enough. It, it's a bit crazy. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So I wondered whether he is going off and relaying that information as a sort of bargaining tool for his own safety. Okay, so do you just think he's a, a dodgy guy, or do you think he's actually working on this, deliberately wanting to work on the side of dark, like of evil, or is he just, you know, a self-serving dodgy bloke? Uh, self-serving, I think. Okay, I think it would be interesting to see whether later on, if the tides look like they're turning, whether he reappears, trying to worm his way back onto their side. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. So he's kind of, um, uh, he's almost like he plays the fences type thing. So Yeah, yeah, he's hedging his bets. Gotcha. Cool. 
All right. Uh, I love, you've also put that uh, his, atti- uh, his attitude was uber shifty, and I'm expecting someone bad to be at the inn before the group can leave. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when you say someone bad to be at the inn before the group can leave, do you mean Thane's going to send someone? Thane's going to be there with someone? Like, did you have, when you wrote that note, did you have any sort of idea of, of who this quote someone I, bad is going to be? Uh, I think I, I, obviously I know now, but I, I had, I believed at that time that the Dark One was going to appear, or, you know, one of his minions. I thought they were going to get attacked. Okay. Uh, I thought it would be in, in the night. While they were asleep, I thought they were probably all going to get sort of pulled off, taken somewhere. That's that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. And I thought that Fane would be there. Right. Watched it happen. Okay. Well, obviously, um, when we get into that chapter and that discussion, we'll, we'll, we'll reveal whether that's true or not. But uh, I can I can definitely see why you would think that. And in the middle of the night seems like, you know, the classic moment for that to happen. So uh, yeah. I like, like your thought process there. You think that Tom knows a lot more than he's letting on in terms of his reaction to the dreams. Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was specifically to do with when, um, Rand was naming in the past that the dark one claims to have, um, influenced. Uh-huh. Um, he kind of brushed it off and said, Oh, don't worry about it. Santa dust. Um, he, it just felt like he cut that conversation off very quickly. And he was very calm and very rational, which, to be fair, I really liked about him. I liked the fact that he treated all the information in a very sensible way. He was like, okay, don't tell Moraine just yet. Let's, you know, you have the option to tell her. But if you tell her now, it's done. So let's see how things go before you reveal everything. I thought it was quite rational and, and made me even think, okay, actually, maybe he shouldn't be telling, you know, spilling the beans. Yep. so quickly um, but just the way he cut, sort of cut it off and wanted to head off straight away when the names were mentioned I kind of felt like he knew something like yeah. whether he knows about them and was just like oh okay yeah that, that pattern fits or you know he just didn't want to share some that's that's kind of how, what I felt about that okay well hopefully we get a bit more information there about uh, what he does or doesn't know and then your last thought for the chapter is about Nynaeve. Why does she chase after them? Is it because mm. of Gwen toying with being a wisdom? And then speaking of wisdom, is that role not to protect <laughs> the village? And isn't her leaving not, you know, isn't that putting others at risk because she's no longer at said village? So, yeah. Yeah, I just, it immediately struck me that this person is there to protect the people of the village in some ways to act as a healer and a and a guide to to many of them particularly the the women uh-huh. and she woke us up yep i was just like oh uh okay like you've chased after you know four people well i guess it's four strictly of the the villagers isn't it yes uh, Egwene, matt rand and perrin but tom as well you know, she's chased after these people and left, I don't know how many people live in Edmunds Field, but I assume quite a lot more than four. <laughs> many, uh, many, 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 many more than four. Um, 
the numbers put it anywhere from a few thousand to like five or ten thousand or something like that depends on the size of the two rivers and, and such but uh yeah many many people uh, she's left from the village just to chase after these four but that gets explained in the next chapter or at least her reasoning yeah yeah so, um yeah. yeah good questions to have there i was when she turned up i was like oh shit <laughs> what's going on they're being chased so um yeah and that's uh that's the end of the chapter so chapter yeah. 16 is the wisdom so as we said hopefully we'll get a bit more about that um i think we'll tie this off here and uh you've got a couple weeks off so we will do more recording uh and folks so you'll you'll get more of the chapters say null's about to finish chapter 18 so i'm not going to stop here at 14 um or 15 sorry and uh no more but uh there's only so much recording we can get done in a day and uh, I've got to go back to work tomorrow. So uh, I need to edit this for this week as well. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll pin it off there. Null, uh, just your next few chapters anyway, like are you, are, do you feel like it's really building to something big? Is this just like, cause you mentioned to me at work the other, oh, I don't know, the first week we're back, second week we're back. I can't remember now, time flies. Um, that it's just getting, there's so much happening all the time. Uh, do you think that's going to continue on as standard or do you think that it's just, you know... I th- Overall, I think my opinions of and the... Uh, well, so my, my opinions of people is changing very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think we are building on a... Uh, the crescendo is building. We're sort of reaching that. I don't know whether we're reaching that peak, but we're definitely going up a hill of excitement. A lot of things are happening. It's ramping up to something. Cool. Because um, every chapter, as I go through it, it it's it feels like the pace is is speeding up. More things are happening that you're going. Oh my god! Oh my god! Um. So yeah, is is. I, I feel like the next few chapters for me are going to be very big. Mm. And I, I believe I said that, uh, so I, I do uh, narrations on YouTube and one of the first one in terms of chronological order in the books that I narrated uh, comes up in, I believe, I was it chapter 20 I said? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, in chapter 20. So um, soon Null will be able to hear one of my own narrations, which is very exciting for me. Um, and... Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of... This is another reason I wanted to sort of end the recording here because there's so much happening in these chapters. They're so fast-paced and stuff that I wanted to... You know, we've been recording well over an hour just to do one chapter. I thought if we do a second one, it's just going to... Um, you know, we're either going to be here another two hours. <laughs> and I need, as I said, need to edit this before I go... I'm at work solidly until Fridays for release day. I wouldn't be able to um, to get it out otherwise if we do carry on recording. But, um, you know, doing a chapter as, as an episode, I think, will let us talk about them enough and, and get your thoughts across. So, um, yeah. Well, it's been good to have you back, Noel. As I say, it's been... It's good to be back. Yeah, it's been a few months. It's good to talk about it, actually, and, and get remember ideas and thoughts I had and, and reread them and think, oh, that was wrong, or, oh, no, that's not quite how I felt about that. 
It's fun. And uh, I've, I've just been dropping through some of your other notes here. And there's like one little bit. It was like, called it. Um, <laughs> so I look forward to, to getting to that bit. Uh, which chapter is that in? I'm, I'm literally just scrolling up and down through notes. Oh, that's in the next chapter. So yeah, next time we record, I look forward to the called it moment. Uh, I won't reveal what that is, listeners. You'll have to listen to the next time Nile appears, which will be soon. Uh, we're going to try and over the next couple of weeks while he's off, record just sort of little flurry of episodes. Um so that we can, they'll, they'll be popping out, not every week, but, you know, more often than they have been, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, if you want to find Null, he is on Twitter, uh, that, you know, expert social media management that we discussed at the beginning. Uh, so you can follow him on Twitter and have some nice esoteric discussions about all sorts of things. Um, I see you tweet things randomly and I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Well, that's really interesting. So um, that is, is it at null underscore void? I think so. But to be honest with you, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> He's so busy on social media, he can't even remember his own own um, ads and stuff, whatever it's called, logins, names. I, I'm having to open the app to find out. <laughs> well, it'll be in the show notes. I always put your link in the show notes. Um, of course, you can find Null here in my Discord server. So do come and join us on Discord. Null has his own section. Uh, in the server it is called the void null and void and you can discuss his episodes in the podcast uh, you can there's a spoiler field section there's a spoiler three section um and uh, you know i didn't advertise this because we record it in discord i didn't advertise that we were doing this in here so no one's joined us today but uh, if people join us i want to chat afterwards um you know there's always a post void hangout as well but that is that is null's personal section of the discord server so you can always find him there you can find me on Twitter again. I know my handle. That's that's what I was looking for before. My handle at Malkiri R. You'll find my Tam jokes uh, on there. One of which I told to you at work um, yesterday. No, on, on yeah. Saturday. Yes. <laughs> this is. I uh, actually knew I I could understand a joke for once. I know it's brilliant. So I'm going to bring it back up. Uh, so this was given to me from um, Seth from What Spoilers. Uh, and it says, Ran brought in a flock of sheep for the night and let Tam know he brought in all 100. And Tam replies, but we only have 86. And Ran says, I know, I rounded them all up. <laughs> oh, God. I, I want to curl up in a corner and clutch my stomach in pain. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, I'm actually having a scroll through now to see if there's any more that um, I can uh can say and i'm really not coming across any that i can say unfortunately <laughs> so, but occasionally i try and share the ones i can so um you know it just you know it is what it is so it can't can't be i've just i've just read the one that you did yesterday oh my god that's brilliant oh the one, oh oh yes okay so parent at the forge yes that one i did enjoy that one um that and, is brilliant yes so that one oh god i can't even remember I, I saw someone talking about working out kinks and it was like i like feet was a thing um but daniel green uh for those of you who who don't know the name he's a he's a big youtuber uh but he always jokes he's got a hoof fetish as in like hooves on a horse so the joke is parents at the forge i'm almost done with this sword i just need to work out its kinks and the sword then replies, I like hooves. And Perry goes, shut up. 
and I tagged okay. David Green in it. He, I don't know if he saw it, liked it. He, did, he definitely didn't like it, but I don't know if he saw it or anything. But uh, it made me chuckle. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I did, did think yes. I you know Perrin is a blacksmith. I can absolutely have shared that one with you. So. Uh, <laughs> but yeah so that that's that's me on twitter folks uh, on youtube i do narrations i do cooking as previously stated thank you now uh for that plug in the notes if you want to support what i do you can join my patreon uh you can get early access to podcast episodes i'm now going to start releasing Null's notes to patrons um I, I'll, I'll pick a level to put that in and uh, you can get access to his notes um, and and obviously everything goes towards improving the channel, better equipment, stuff for the kitchen, whatever is needed type thing, giveaways, um, you know. So any support is is graciously accepted and treasured. And if you just want to listen and like and share and and all those sorts of bits and pieces, I'm still gonna love you anyway. I'm not like Nabless over at Tarvalon After Dark who always sarcastically I have to say that sarcastically says. If you don't financially support us on Patreon, I actually don't love you. And that includes my family. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. He says that. I actually, it, I, I only love patrons. He's like, I don't love anyone else unless you are a, a patron. But he always says, I'm being sarcastic, by the way. But people won't believe him. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> it made me chuckle every time I hear that. So, but yeah. No, thank you once more. Um, it's good to have your voice back on the podcast. And uh, hopefully, being back at work and, and, and chugging along, we can get you through the book before the TV show comes out. Um, John from What Up is expecting a drop on uh, Black Friday, which is the third Friday in November, if I remember correctly. So if we can get you to the end of the book by then, because it looks like season one is pretty much book one. Then no pressure. Uh, no pressure. Then, as previously stated... You know, we can watch it and you've offered to do a reaction. So that's going to be interesting. Um, we'll see if that works out. If not, you know, if it's not that case, because uh, I'll watch it first and be like, actually, no, you can't watch it. Sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can watch up to episode five um, <laughs> or something. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah, there are some brilliant things in the book coming up that I was like, oh, my God, if that's not in the, the show, they are missing a trick. I mean, there's there's a lot of the story so far that we've read that is like hey, that you would want to see some reflection of. But there's there's a a little bit in a couple of chapters when we get to it, and it. But oh my god, oh my god, yes. <laughs> well, we will absolutely bring those up, and I, you know, some things I I know uh, has been you know, we've been told by the showrunner that is not happening, and some things that are happening. Um, little little pieces so you know if it includes those moments i can be like yes i can confirm we're getting that or sadly i can confirm we're not getting that um, but that and a fun dynamic to uh, the discussion to to have tv show once put into it so um but i think that's it for today everyone so until next time may you always find water and shade mm-hmm.